In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Coptic month of Baona, and in the Gospel reading of today we read in Luke chapter 6, where the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to us about the importance of loving our enemies. And he says that even sinners love those who love them, but the Christian love is to love even those who hate us. And of course, this is uh, a difficult command. He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And this is something that maybe we all, we know this is the command in Christianity, that this is what we are called to do. But certainly it is something that is very difficult and it's something that can take years and years to accomplish. But also, sometimes maybe we look at this command and we feel like we exempt ourselves from it or we feel that it's unrealistic or we feel like um, it's even um, not appropriate uh, how is it that I can think of the people that I hate the most or the people who have hurt me the most in my life and think that actually the right approach for me, the way to treat them is to love them? That seems almost counterintuitive. It seems al almost unrighteous. You know, it seems more righteous for us to hold a grudge against those people who deserve it and that we would um, hold this hatred and anger toward them in our heart, even for the rest of our life, unwilling to reconcile, unwilling to forgive with them because we feel like they deserve what it is that they get after what it is that they have done to us. And certainly those who struggle to attain spiritual perfection, to attain um, being, being able to fulfill all of the commandments of God, for those of us who actually struggle, and again, maybe this takes years and years to accomplish, we will receive a reward. But what if a person refuses to forgive or even tries to forgive? <clears throat> This person might feel like they are not harming themselves in any way because, again, they might feel justified in their feelings toward those people who have mistreated them. But there is actually a price to be paid for, for each of us whenever we refuse to forgive and actually whenever we refuse to do any of the commandments of God. You know, a lot of times people think that I'm going to live my life the way that I want and to do the things that I want. And then at some point later on in my life, I'm going to repent and that that repentance will be accepted by God. And so it will be as though that I have not been damaged or harmed in any way by the sins that I have committed. And certainly we do believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will forgive anyone who is coming in repentance sincerely. And we only have to look at the right hand thief, the man who lived a life of sin his entire life and only at the very last moment of his life did he repent um, and was accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ and he was forgiven but we have to ask the question is while we are still living in sin even though we know that when we repent that the Lord will accept us what kind of damage am I doing to myself what kind of spiritual damage what kind of physical damage what is it that I'm how is it that I'm adversely affecting myself by continuing to live and a life of sin because living in sin is not free you can imagine a person who goes to prison for 10 years and then finally is released from prison do you think that person who comes out of prison is the same person that went into prison do you think that that 10 years of being in prison is not going to have some kind of effect on them that maybe they come out feeling broken and they come out feeling like harmed and hurt in some way that they didn't at the beginning so certainly whenever we are choosing willfully to live in sin, there is some kind of damage that is being done to us. And so I want to speak a little bit about what it is, whether the damage comes from refusing to forgive our enemies, whether it comes from any other kind of sin that we might commit. What are some of the chronic effects of willful sin? The first is that we lose our purity. 
when it comes to loving our enemies, when we refuse to love, we are introducing hatred into our heart and it will take away purity, even if this hatred is toward an enemy. When anytime we hate, anytime we are filled with hate, because God is love, and so when we hate, we are expelling God from our hearts. We are expelling him. We are refusing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that is telling us to forgive, that is telling us to reconcile. We are expelling him, right? Because he is coming and wanting to fill us with himself, which will bring us the spirit of joy and peace and reconciliation and forgiveness. But when we choose hatred, we are choosing to leave God out. In 1 Timothy 2.8, he says, I desire therefore that the men that men, the men pray everywhere, lifting up their holy hands without wrath and doubting, without wrath. Even how is it that our prayers are accepted before God when our heart is filled with hatred, right? We are trying to stand before God and we are praying and we're asking him to fulfill our petitions. We're asking him to be with us in our life. But if our heart is filled with hatred toward another person, how is it that God is going to come and to fulfill and satisfy because maybe our heart has been consumed? A person who lives a life maintaining secrets, manipulating others, hiding who they really are, living a life of self-indulgence, all of these things that are done in secret, all these things that maybe we try to maintain. When the Lord said you cannot serve both God and mammon, he says you cannot live a life of goodness and a life of evil at the same time. You're either going to follow one or you're going to follow the other. But sometimes maybe we try to do both. And we say, even though I am appearing a certain way before others, even though I try to appear like I'm living a certain kind of life, but in reality, I'm actually living a different life. I have different motivations. I'm hiding. I'm manipulating. I'm, I'm, I'm living in secret in some way. And maybe, again, we think that I can do this for some time, and maybe eventually I will repent or I will try to change. But this life is causing us to lose something. We are damaging ourselves because of the way that we have chosen to live. The second effect that we have of, of, of um, willful sin is that we lose our spiritual habits. Um, whatever spirituality we have attained, whatever spiritual habits we, are, we practice, whatever we pray, whatever we fast, whatever we do, it is that we do, when we choose to live a life of sin, again, we are resisting God, and it makes those spiritual habits very difficult to maintain. Again, maybe I'll say, well, I'm going to repent eventually. Yes, but by the time I repent, maybe I've completely forgotten the taste of prayer. Maybe I've completely forgotten what it means to be, uh, feel intimacy with God, um, to, to enjoy the presence of God, because I have been so corrupted by the sin that I am willfully choosing to live by. Again, just because we repent, it doesn't mean there has not been a price that has been paid. It will be difficult to stand before God in prayer um, when we are actively living a life that is displeasing to him. So it's something, again, we have to keep in mind. What spiritual habits are we trying to build? This is another reason, actually, why some people, um, they, they are frustrated in trying to build spiritual habits. You know, on the one hand, I'm trying to pray every day. I'm trying to learn to fast. I'm trying to do these spiritual things that the church is teaching us that we should be doing. But at the same time, I'm holding in, in one hand, you know, trying to be spiritual. And then on the other hand, I'm holding the sin that I refuse to let go of. The thing that I desire, the thing that, f that fulfills me, that satisfies me in a, in a lustful way, in a, in, a, in a sinful way, I can't have both. I can't live a life that contains both. So as we are trying to build ourselves up spiritually, maybe we find that we are actually being destroyed. Right? We, are not, we are not able to do so. And again, if we were to repent of the sin, yes, um, God will forgive us of the sin, but it will not undo the damage that has been done, especially if it's something that lasts for years and years.
Another effect um, or damage that happens to us through willful sin is that we learn bad habits. Okay? So again, when we repent, we may obtain forgiveness, but what bad habits have we acquired along the way? In Romans 6.19, it says, For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. It reminds me of the story of St. Moses the Strong. St. Moses the Strong lived his life in sin. He lived his life as a murderer, as a glutton. He was a thief. He was a, a gang member. Okay, And that was his life. And he was an idol worshiper. That was his life. And then when he... Um, turned to God, he joined the monastery, and he was surrounded with this um, monastic community of, of monks that was with him, and this was now his new life. But simply because he repented, simply because he came now to live as a monk, it doesn't mean that his entire previous life was erased. He struggled and struggled and struggled with his, thought, with, with, with his, his thoughts, and he had to go into confession repeatedly again and again and again, because these bad habits that he had learned still had a grip on him. So even though he had repented, it doesn't mean that now everything that he had done was immediately erased in terms of the negative effects that it was having on him and his life. So forgiveness does not automatically make us forget the things that we have learned or acquired. And so again, maybe during a time when we are living in sin, we are acquiring bad habits and that those habits will be very difficult to break in the future. Anyone who has any bad habits knows that once a habit is formed, it's very hard for us to change because we have become accustomed to it, the pleasure associated with it, or the laziness that is associated with it. A person who um, had a very strong spiritual canon and that they were practicing on a daily basis, um, if they give themselves the opportunity to stop, if they stop it for some time, how hard is it to start um, again? So the desire for sin is a strong one. The desire for um, the things that are addictive are very strong. People who fall into addiction, it's very hard for them to break the addiction and very likely that they will go back to the addiction again. Again, this has nothing to do with forgiveness. God will forgive. We ask him to forgive us. But what kind of bad habits have we formed along the way? Another effect of willful sin is chronic guilt. Again, maybe when we believe that we go and repent that um, God forgives us but there is a, an attack that comes on us that makes us to feel guilty even though we are forgiven even though Christ forgave us we are constantly being attacked with the thought of guilt and shame and am I truly forgiven or not King David said in the famous Psalm 50 he says for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me Saint Paul himself when he was speaking about his apostleship he said I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church of God he never forgot the fact that he was a persecutor of Christians before he became an apostle King David never forgot the sin that he committed and this can be a kind of torment and yes it we learn from it we learn from the mistakes that we've made in the past and we accept the forgiveness of God but it is a fight it is a battle for us to continually remind ourselves that the sins that we have committed are in the past and they are no longer in the present and that God has truly forgiven me and perhaps um, the consequences of my sin I am living with them to this day King David because of his sin that he committed with Bathsheba and killing her husband the Lord said that his son would die and indeed his son died and that is a very bitter, bitter, bitter consequence. And there is nothing 
that changed that. Even though King David was forgiven, even though he was no longer held accountable for the sins that he committed in the eyes of God, and God called him a man after my own heart, and he compared every other king that came after to King David. So was King David righteous? Yes. Was King David accepted by God? Yes. Was he forgiven by God? Yes. But that didn't change the fact that he had to suffer because of the sin that he committed, and that suffering would last for the rest of his life. He would always remember the, the child that, that died as a result of his own sin. And so again, maybe, yes, God accepts us when we repent, but there is a price to be paid for the sins that we commit. Also, it is a difficult return. It is true, of course, God accepts our return, um, but it doesn't mean that it is e an easy return. So though we obtain forgiveness the moment we return to God, there is still a long path that must be traversed in order for us to return. We think about the example of the prodigal son. Um, the prodigal son, once he realized that he was in sin and he was eating the, desiring to eat the food of the pigs and that he had wasted all of his money and that he had squandered everything that he had taken from his father. And then he struggled with the thought of what do I do? And he said, I need to return back to my father's house. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. But the path and the journey that he had to take from that moment until he gets to the father again, and he is received by the father, there is guilt, there is shame, there is fear, there is the anticipation of judgment. There is all of these things that come upon us as we are trying to return again. Repentance is not simply a simple act of I just stand and say, I repent, or I, 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 I ask you God to forgive me. There is pain associated with it. There is true repentance, and there's mourning associated with it. There is grief, there is contrition. You know, the, 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 the church fathers speak about the kind of grief in the morning and the tears that we cry for repentance. It is not just a simple act of saying, I committed such and such a sin. Maybe sometimes when we do that, we don't really take seriously the magnitude of what is it that we have committed. So it is a difficult return. This is part of the, the, the pain associated with it. Um, and again, that, that, that pain is, is associated with it is fear. You know, imagine what this prodigal son, how he felt on his way back to his father. He did not even expect to be accepted as a son. He expected to be um, accepted as a hired servant, as, as a servant working in his house, thinking to himself, I'm not even qualified. I'm not even worthy to be a son anymore, but at least I will have food to eat. So I will go offer my services as a hired servant, and he, my father, he will pay me a wage. He will not treat me as a son anymore. Imagine the pain of that to feel that I am now estranged from my father. And this is a kind of pain that we have whenever we are living away from God, a feeling of estrangement. If our whole identity is in the, in the fact that we are the children of God and not the children of the world, our whole identity is tied up with, with who we are in terms of our relationship to God. When we sin and we feel that our relationship with God is, is, is stretched or strained or broken, then we ask, who am I? Who am I now? If I was a child of God and I chose to leave him and I'm living for myself, just like this prodigal son, when he left his father, he did not consider himself to be a son anymore. He considered himself just to be a servant, right? Imagine the kind of internal uh, confusion 
that would come upon him and come upon all of us when we are living apart from God. We ask, who, who am I? Who, what am I living for? Who am I living for? What is my life now after I have made the decisions and the choices that I did? And I question, is God even going to forgive me? Is he going to accept me um, again if I return? This is another pain that comes with living in a life of willful sin. And then the last one is broken relationships. Again, God accepts us when we repent, but maybe other people will not accept us. The people who have been harmed by my sin, the people who I have offended, the people that I have left behind, the people that now hate me as a result of the sin that I have committed. If I repent of my sin, does that mean that all the relationships that have been affected are suddenly restored? Does it mean that everything is back to normal the way that it was? There are some things that cannot be taken back. There are some things that no amount of apology is going to restore. No relationships can be restored um, uh, no matter what kind of what I do in some cases. So this is the an, another reason why that sin has real consequences. So I want to just leave you with this idea that God does accept every repentance. And for the purpose of our salvation, yes, Again, the, the right-hand thief was accepted at the very last moment of his life, and it was a true repentance, and he truly did enter paradise. But we should not think, as many people do, that I live my life in sin, and I can choose to repent at some point in the future, because every day that we do so, we damage ourselves, we damage our life, we damage our future. And of course, maybe we will never get that opportunity to repent, because we don't know what our, when our last day is going to be. So we need to take very seriously this idea of repentance and to be repenting daily, to be repenting continually, to not only to not to not make ourselves an excuse for sin and say, I will live my life a certain way. And then some point in the future, I will repent. I desire to live in the way that I want now. I desire to enjoy myself in the pleasures and the lusts of sin today because I know and believe that God is eventually going to accept me. No, this is not a right way to think. We might never get the chance, and meanwhile, we are poisoning ourselves each and every day. Again, back to the example that the Lord Jesus Christ said um, in the gospel, when he says, love your enemies and do go good to those who hate you. We should ask ourselves, is there someone or a group of people that I am holding a grudge again, against? And to be honest with ourselves, is am I, am I hating them? Do I hate them? Do I, would, I, would I choose to help them? I, do, I, do I rejoice when they fall? Do I seek them to fall? Do I seek them to, to be punished? Um, do I want them to fail? Maybe this is a sign of hatred that I have toward this group of people and that this hatred is actually keeping me in prison. I'm imprisoned by it. I am damaged by it. Even if that person never even knows that I hate them, never even knows the thoughts that I have toward them, I am the one who I'm damaging myself. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he seeks to set us free from this damage of sin, this damage of indulgence of sin and defending our sin, defending our poor choices. And he seeks for us to repent daily and glory be to God forever. Amen.